Blog Talk Radio. studio audience here in our plush midtown manhattan offices we've got a great guest here tonight we're going to bring her on and then we're going to talk a little bit about cybersecurity. so much going on with that god it's just ridiculous right now many people don't even understand you know we are literally under attack right now we got cyber cybersecurity training and education classes popping up all through the united states up here in Central New York, we have probably we're going on three, four colleges now that offer uh, degree programs in cybersecurity because we're just inundated as a country. And New York State post 9/11 has their own got a whole department of cybersecurity and homeland security. So it's a lot of crazy stuff. We're uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to bring our guests on, and we're going to talk a little bit about her background. She was uh, on hold with our. Uh, <laughs> uh, that girl, <laughs> the Black Talk Radio girl, <laughs> we suspect, I think De- Deborah thinks maybe the Black Talk Radio girl is uh, is related, or maybe is the girl with the dirty mouth. <laughs> De- Deborah, I'm not going to try to say your, 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 it was Shively, right? Shively? Yes, yes, you got it. Oh, I did get it right, okay. I you mean, I know, it, I know yeah. you sent me the thing and everything, but. I don't pay attention. I've got ADD, AHD, HD, and all the other acronyms you can possibly imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Drink coffee. I hear you're supposed to drink coffee. (laughs) Well, that does help. Hey, it's funny you say that because that's a big big deal for me, coffee. I couldn't survive without coffee. Well, it's kind of like a fire, you know, where you build a fire to stop a fire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sure, absolutely. They blow things up and everything to stop the fires. I don't understand it. Everything but lightning to stop the fire. That doesn't but, uh, describe someone with ADHD. I don't know what does. <laughs> you the got it. The whirling dervish ball of fire. Whirling <laughs> <laughs> dervish ball of fire. Yes, that is that is how I describe it. Um, real quick, I just want to tell everybody out there, if you want to call in, every once in a while we'll get a call in from here in upstate New York. and I appreciate it. Anyone who wants to call in, ask Deborah, Deborah Shively, and then the last name was Welsh, right? Uh-huh. Like the grape jelly. I wish. Like grape jelly. Sure. <laughs> You're heir to that fortune. <laughs> Give me some of that revenue. That'd be buddy. a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. Take that money all day long. Yeah. That Heinz, right? <laughs> I should run for president. Get to meet Alton Brown, you know. So, hey, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's it right there. So, uh, Deborah, thanks for coming. You can tell that, as always, I'm horribly unprepared. I, I don't practice or do any. Any pre-show, uh, you know, practice with the staff over here in uh, our Midtown Manhattan offices. We have to say that a lot because people don't believe me that that we actually have a plus studio in Midtown Manhattan. I don't know why they don't believe me. Every once in a while, I bring my kids in the office, and you'll hear things going on, and TVs going, and things blasting and blaring, and people just don't believe that I'm in a plus Midtown Manhattan office. But I rest assured, that is where I am. <laughs> I'm overlooking. Uh, I can see the skyline, and I can see the. Uh, uh, I don't know, some big building with a silver top on. I think they call it the Chrysler building. Oh, you think? From where we're at. Could be. With binoculars. Actually, I think I need binoculars to see that. Anyway, that's another story for another day. So here we are. 
Thanks for coming, Deborah. I just want to mention everybody to call in. The, the guest call-in number is 646-478-4353. Once again, that's 646-478-4353. You know, you can get a 1-800 number for this deal, but I figured if you're, gosh, if you got to worry about long distance, you might need to just cut all the wires on all your equipment and go back to the Stone Age because you shouldn't be paying for long distance anymore. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Next week I want to mention, next week we've got uh, Giovanna, Giovanni Gelati. I'm good with names, can you tell, Deb? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Giovanni <speak> Gelati. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you speak Saxon. That's what Shively yes, is. See? There you go. Saxon, huh? In the blood. <laughs> wow, look at that. Sixth generation. <laughs> well, that's just from Ohio. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, 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 see, yeah, that's how that's how up to date I am on everything. Giovanni Gelati. Wow, can you say vowels? <laughs> <laughs> Giovanni's coming on next week. Everybody comes. If you didn't hear last week, by the way, you gotta go download that because you can download it on iTunes. You can get it in every which way. Um, Denny Griffin was on last week. Denny Griffin is a just a encyclopedia of mob stuff, mafia stuff, and of course. As Americans, we are, you know, we're uh, <laughs> obsessed with that kind of stuff. And but Denny knows all that stuff. And the cool part about Denny too is, if you come download that show, um, is that he is a former mob investigator from back in the day. That was hardcore stuff back then, you know. And um, he also now he took that. He's now he's writing books about uh, about the mob and um, his day as an investigator and other investigators. And now. The thing is, I, I never heard of this before. This is a very cool kind of a story about evolving yourself and your company. He now is like a like an agent, not necessarily to mobsters, but anyone involved in in like the mafia uh, investigations. So, so former investigators who investigated the mob. But the cool part is too, if somebody's doing a movie or people are like investigating things about about the mob, the mobsters are so comfortable with Danny Griffin. And he also, if you if you um, search for him on Block Talk Radio, you'll find him. He has a show called Crime Wire, which is very cool. And 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 so, long story short, what Denny does is he actually, if somebody's looking for a mobster to do like a story or to do a movie or, you know, they 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 hire consultants who've been there and done that. You know this, uh, Deborah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys oh, yeah. get involved in this kind of stuff, but. You know, they want to hire, they want to make it look real. They don't ever want, you know, the movie or the book or whatever. They don't want it to have any, like, air of fakeness. And I guess, um, you know, I guess Godfather and some of the movies they talk about a lot have uh, a lot of things in there that you wouldn't necessarily have actually seen in in the real the real mafia, as it were, the, the Italian mafia. i got to be specific. we got a lot of the mafias going on around this country, but... Not so much anymore, but you still see him once in a while. Well, I'm thinking anyway, you Denny have any. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I listened to the interview, and it's very, very good. I enjoy In fact, I rewound it and, and listened to it twice. Oh, thank you. Very, very nice. good. So very you're good. the two people. Good for you. <laughs> oh, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> it was all excited. No, very good. And and he is, like, like I'm the same way. I, I researched the heck out of everything like sure. you know in many of my books i i have to go back to the 50s or the 60s or the 70s i actually look up what makeup they cuz i remember some of it cuz i was there sure. but uh to double check myself you know and for fashions and, and, and that's the only way it's going to ring true and 
sure. It sounds to me like he is a very, very dedicated author. Oh, absolutely. He's, so, a, yeah. he's amazing. He's an amazing person, let alone an author, and, and now a consultant to people making movies and, and documentaries, and it's a very cool. Again, yeah. I, it, to me, it represents how you evolve as a person, as a company. You don't learn how to evolve and make changes. I mean, you know this now. You're you're doing well. You're a, you're a uh, partner at uh, what's the company you're a partner at? I have it here somewhere. Saga books. There is actually Saga there are, there's two Saga books. I don't know how that happened, but it did. We are at sagabooks.net. The difference okay. being that we do not charge our authors to publish. We are really. Uh, Basically, a traditional publishing house. We don't give advances. Okay. We don't do that kind of thing. Sure. But we have a plan where we will publish you, and you don't pay us a dime. Um, nice. So therefore, you can be traditionally published. And I know. Uh, I'm sorry. What's his first name again? You're Denny. De- yeah. Oh, he was uh, talking about yeah. being self-published and how there's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. There isn't right. anything wrong with that. Um, who was? Not it? anymore. Um, there used to be. <laughs> well. If you've got a good editor, and good editor sometimes is an oxymoron, you got to find a good editor and can put out a quality product. There's absolutely nothing wrong sure. with it because you're going to get more of the royalties, and you're the one that did right. you know, the really hard work. The problem right. is getting a good editor because I've got people coming to us who said, oh, I already I paid $400 to have this book edited, and, and I'll look at it and go, oh, Lord, love it, Get a lawyer. <laughs> Get that money back. Did <laughs> someone can can you say paragraph? <laughs> yes, yeah, spelled like, with an F like at the one. end, right? This guy spent four hundred bucks for an editor. And oh no! He, and the song, the song, the sentence reads: He made a heroic gesture. J e f t e r. Come so on. Right now, I'm with Danny Kay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we got ourselves a gesture. <laughs> it's called Microsoft Word. Guess what? <laughs> you don't even need to spend money on the software. Just use Gmail. That would have caught that. And you don't want to insult them and say, did you really pay no. someone to do this or you're jerking no, the chain? Because if you did, you need <laughs> your money back. Uh, no, there might be some chain jerking going on there. <laughs> but with, with self-publishing, that's the biggest pitfall, um, yeah, not yeah. getting your work edited properly, unless you're like sure. Michener, who never never had to be edited. They they finally wow. gave up. Well, let's not even bother with this guy because really? it was wasted time. Yeah, he was that good. And, in fact, I'm editing an, an author right now for Saga that I got like I'm halfway through the book, and I think I maybe put in three commas. Taking out really? one semicolon. I mean, he's really Is good. That right. That's now, phenomenal. if you're that, that good, go for the glory. You know. But yeah, that, that's not easy. Gosh, I can't write a letter to myself without checking it eight times and still missing stuff. Uh, yeah, I know. That's because you wrote it. See, when you write <laughs> yeah. it, well, then you don't make right? mistakes because you know what right. you meant to say, and that's what you see. Exactly. You don't see what you actually said. You don't key. see yourself writing down that someone like raised their hand and instead you got Danny Kay singing "I Made a Fool of Myself." You know? <laughs> That's it right there. You, you nailed it because that is exactly what it is. And yeah. the more you read it, the more it becomes harder to edit it because it's mm-hmm. like I can't. You know, I've seen this eight times. I I can't find any more mistakes. And then you hand it to someone else who's got a fresh eye on it, and they're like, "Bam! There's a mistake." Like really? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, Exactly. Is that, that, is that what you would say the key to editing is? Is you have to have multiple people go through something? 
or uh, you guys well, are just so good at it, you don't need that. Well, the way I do it is the first time I read through a book is when I catch nine-tenths of what's wrong, and I just do it very slowly. <laughs> I don't do very many pages at a time because after a while you uh, just start reading. I mean, yeah, unless it's really yeah. bad. But like with this guy that I'm doing yeah. right now, I can only read like 40 pages, 50 pages at a time because I get lost in the story. And the next thing you know, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I didn't pay any attention. I have to go back. <laughs> I should have edited those last 40 <laughs> yeah. pages. Then I send it to them with the editing marks, and yeah. they go through and edit. Then they send it back to me again, and I do it another time. Okay. And now I have to be really careful because I've already read it once. Sure. So I do it three times. And then after three times, I say... You know, if you can find someone who's really, really good, have them read it. Other than that, we're flying with it the way it is. Well, and Ruth, our our main, you know, the first, the person who started Saga, she goes through it too. And every okay. once in a while, she'll find some stuff that was missed. Wow. Amazing. But you know, you don't want to so, look like a fool. You put your baby out there; yeah, it's got to be perfect, as perfect as it can be. Sure. Nothing's ever perfect. No. Nothing. So, and in fact, um, many of our our forefathers, the women would do counted cross stitch or embroidery and purposely put a mistake in there. Because, of really? course, with me, I don't have to do it on purpose. It just happens. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? But um, no one's perfect. So, but you have to get it as perfect as you possibly can because yeah. that book it represents has to be close. you. Right. Because if it's you want it, if you want it to say what what it needs to say. And you got somebody worrying about an obvious comma that was missed, then you're done. It screws the whole deal. Yeah. So yeah, I get that. I totally get well, that. Well, the main part is, and I hate, hate to keep going back to that example, but it was just so blaring. Nine yeah. out of ten people reading that are going to wait a minute. He made a jester. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what? How exactly does one go about making a jester? Is it? <laughs> it sounds like genetic. Uh, it sounds like a <laughs> genetic manipulation story. Look, Uh-oh. look at look look what I grew. I grew a jester. <laughs> I made a jester, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I don't see. And he was in a movie. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I made my own jester. That's yeah. Beautiful. Oh well. What can you? Yeah. Do? So, like you say, you don't want to. I, I and. Here's the thing, it, it's my whole point, my whole tie-in with everything is, you, you, you have it's a bit everything's a business. Everything if you're gonna make money, it's a business. I don't care if you're a, if you work at a where you edit books or if you write books or what you do. I talk to people entrepreneurs. I talk to a, a, a guy who's a serial entrepreneur. He's a multimillionaire, and it's it's all the same thing. It's all about it's all about dotting those i's and crossing those t's. And, and looking at what you're doing meticulously because, listen, if you have a customer and readers are customers for you mm-hmm. and they see one thing that they can pick apart, they're going to pick it apart every single time, mm-hmm. especially if you're going against the big companies. And, you know, when I was in business for the longest time in technology, I co-owned a, a technology company a while back. <laughs> when you go up against the big dogs, <laughs> trust me, they will <laughs> Pick you apart mm-hmm. bit for bit. I mean, they will kill you if they find a mistake. And I don't know the size of, I'm not saying you're, you know, we we were a, a medium-sized fish in a big pond. I don't know how you guys are situated or whatever. I'm not trying to 
say you guys are small, medium, or large. I don't know what the size your company is, but it, it doesn't really matter. Even if you're a big company going against a small company or whatever, they find one mistake. It, it, it's it's a that kills the deal. It really does. Yeah. You look at the New York Times. Those guys, you know, when they do their book lists and stuff like that, I'm sure. I'm sure if they find any kind of grammatical error, they're going to have a hard time, no matter how good the book is and the content. See, see, working in a technology uh, industry, it's more about the content. You know, when you're a blogger, it's more about the content. You don't mm-hmm. edit things five times, which is well, fun. I and I don't know, you probably have your opinion on bloggers and everything else. But the fact is, it's immediate access to information. It could be wrong, though. Here's the thing: you got you got to you got to do digging. You can't just. Uh, take that last blog post and say, hey, what, you know, what's going on here? But uh, anyway, I'm just going to give out one one quick tip, then we're going to get into uh, Deborah's uh, background a little more, kind of see if we can uh, analyze and figure out how she got to, to where she is. Um, that's why I call it Spotlight on Success. We try to, try to impart some knowledge on everybody and see uh, if we can figure out uh, something in Deborah's background. We look at things and did you have any, you know, parents or... Um, no, I was hatched. Mentors or <laughs> stuff like that who were entrepreneurs, and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if we can figure that out. Usually, we do. We get to the bottom of it. Um, we have uh, one one big tip today. I want to do one big cybersecurity tip um, before we get into that, and then I got to run our commercial. Then we're going to get into uh, Deborah's story a little more. We have. Uh, I don't think anybody really ever talks about this, and the, and it's really interesting to me because. Everybody says, oh, viruses and spyware, and there's a million tools out there. Next week, I'm actually evaluating a bunch of tools, and I'm going to recommend the most perfect suite of tools. I make no money on it. I'm just going to recommend it. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I do this for people who are, you know, people who I um, consult with. So I, once I'm done consulting on this stuff, I research it, and then I release, release the information to the general public. So I have a really, really cool... Uh, kind of a research thing I'm doing right now. It's going to be it's going to be kind of the ultimate solution for viruses and spyware and, and malware and all this crazy stuff. That'll be next week. But for this week, I just want to say something. It's a very simple concept, but mo- I would say 99% of people don't do this, should do it, and it's very simple. It takes about 10 minutes. If you're out there browsing the internet, you have something on on your. Uh, in the browser, so for instance, if you're using Microsoft um, Internet Explorer, or some people use um, Firefox, other people use Chrome. Have you heard all those, Deborah? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. So, and it, this is especially, yeah, you might, you know, pass this along to people you know in business, because it, it's a, even more so if you're in a business environment, using your business's, um, you know, network and, and connectivity and whatnot. If you go and do a search, the first thing you should do before you get on the Internet is set up what's called a proxy server. It sounds it sounds complicated, but it's very, very simple. What you want to do is you want to go to the Internet, search for um, public proxy servers. That's spelled P as in Paul, R-O-X as in X-ray, and Y, proxy server. Search Google for public proxy server lists. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take that proxy server, you're going to search on your, so if you're using Internet Explorer or Google Chrome, you're going to search inside their help files for advanced settings and then the word proxy server. 
you set up a proxy server, what happens is when you browse the web like from home or from your business, the 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 server Every computer can be a proxy server. So what happens is if you set your proxy server up and you say if, if you don't set it up, the default is your own computer, which then broadcasts your identity to the entire world. If you're in a company, that can be especially dangerous because as I took a certified hacker class and, and, they, and they explained that when you have your internal system set up and everybody on the Internet can see that you're coming from the proxy server that you're using, and it's your companies, they can identify you every time you get on the Internet. So so what you do is you look up the proxy server list. You're going to have, most people are going to have to have someone help them do this, but write a note down, put proxy server, you're going to search for that in your, in your help files. You're going to find a proxy server, and you set it up so that when you go search for something on the Internet, the prox, you bounce off a proxy server, which could be in China or, or whatever, overseas, and then, and then, when every time you do something online, you're not identifying yourself and your company and everything else. So, so look up proxy server, everybody, please. I do, I do this as a public service because I love this country and I don't want our cybersecurity and, our, and our, our infrastructure threatened. So, please go look up proxy server. You're gonna probably have to have someone help you. It's it's a it's a bit of a process. You got to go to advanced network settings and all this other stuff. But but just go find it out. Do it, everybody, please. It'll help us uh, help us protect our uh, our infrastructure here in the United States. So, Deborah, mm-hmm. if you could just hold one second, I'm going to run uh, run a sponsor spot, and then we're going to get into your uh, your background a little bit. Okay? Sure. A buyer of gold and silver, coins and jewelry, is celebrating three years of paying the highest cash payouts around for unwanted gold and silver coins and jewelry. Don't settle for low pawn shop prices and don't take your items to a fly-by-night hotel event. Come and visit our showroom and get paid the highest cash payouts for your unwanted gold and silver coins and jewelry. Looking for great fun? Book a free karaoke gold party today with a buyer of gold and silver coins and jewelry. Located at 1121 Glenwood Ave, Oneida, next to Cash for Cans Bottle Return. A buyer of goldandsilver.com. Go to that website. This guy's an honest guy. I, I know the guys in my business network up in upstate New York. He's a he's the real deal. A lot of these guys will take advantage of people um, in their, you know, with just people. Let's face it. If you're gonna go sell some gold and silver, you're not exactly in the best situation. A lot of people are in a bad situation right now, and 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 you got to be very careful who you go to with this stuff. Don't send it in to somebody you've never talked to, and hope they're gonna send your money back. This is a real guy. He's a good guy. He'll help you. He might even send you to someone else because he doesn't like taking stuff by mail because there's issues with you know the. There's problems sometimes if you send it in, you gotta insure it. Does it come back? Everything else. He doesn't even like doing that, but he'll tell he'll tell you who you can go to that, that's honest. It's a buyer of goldandsilver.com. Good guy, Greg, up in upstate New York. If you're in the central New York area, uh, check that out. It's all about you now, Deborah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Me. So so, <laughs> so um. Tell us about your background a little bit. You kind of shared a little bit about it. you're in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, growing up, like, what was your inspiration? What kind of made you say, oh, you know, what led you to this path? Was it kind of the thing with Denny where it's an evolving type of a thing? What, what happened? How did it start out with you? I think it's in my DNA. Uh, I just started <laughs> writing as soon as I could write. I, I taught myself how to read before I went to school. But, I mean, I didn't read well, but I taught myself to read some. And by the time I got to school, I was a little bit ahead of everybody. And I started writing right away. 
And then when my mother and father were divorced. They divorced when I was nine months old. Um, wow. But when I was 11, when my father came for one of his visits, he walked in and he put a poem down in front of me, just, well, the poem name and the first stanza. It was called Poetry Problems. And he said, write a poem using this as the first stanza. And what he was doing was his father had written a poem called Poetry Problems and then had done the same thing to him, taking the first stanza. Then Dad wrote his own poem, I Wish I Had Those Poems. I don't. But then my father did the same thing, and it took me like ten minutes. I didn't even know I could write poetry. And he picked it up, and he read it, and he said, you've got the gift. Wow. So uh, He knew. Yeah. Yeah, he knew. So that started me on writing poetry. Um, and from there, I, you know, well, I was writing short stories before that. I was always writing about this little girl who found a dog and got to keep it, but my mother never got the hint. So I didn't have a dog till I was 12. But, um, you know, I mean, just to be candid, um, I was pretty abused as a child, uh, physically, emotionally, and sexually. Uh, I will at this point say because I honor those of my veterans of child abuse who were sexually abused, went through much worse than I did, I managed to avoid the act being completed because I'm my grandmother's daughter and I knew where to kick (laughs) Oh, <laughs> anyway, and just oh, to put it as bluntly and clearly as possible, <laughs> yeah, but sure. because of the abuse, it was so bad—the emotional and the, and the you know, oh. neglect. And mm, I mean, at God. age eleven, I had to start feeding my brother and sister because there was no food left. It was still oh, nasty. Geez. But anyway, I started writing poetry as as um, therapy, and it worked. Sure. I mean, it was wonderful outlet. I mean, it kept me sane. It really did. And a lot of the poetry from that era of my life is pretty bad. Mm. But I learned the rudiments of poetry, and, you know, sure. now I think I'm pretty good, you know. And uh, it got me through it. And that's the bottom right. line. Damn. So then I, I at 17, I moved out. I graduated at, at age 17 mm-hmm. and started working. And then I eventually ended up working. I had a column on the Baltimore Eagle Gazette when I was like 24 called Poetry Problems. Mm. <laughs> and since, you know, worked on newsletters, I um, created, developed, edited, and wrote the newsletter for the Child Against, or the League Against Child Abuse until mm. they were, um, due to funding, they were dissolved. Uh-huh. And, you know, some other things until eventually uh, I was published at age 52. <laughs> it was a long road. <laughs> it was a long road. <laughs> Now, I thought it said on your bio that you were 29. Did it not say on your bio you were 29? Maybe I misread that. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like I'm 29. (laughs) Well, except when I first get up in the morning. Then I feel like I'm 79. (laughs) I'll walk around for a while. Oh, God, right? Yeah. I know, right? Uh. (laughs) Oh, man, we got a caller on the line here. Do you want to take it or let's finish your... Finish your oh, first part of your you, story. So. Well, I don't want to interrupt you and be rude. It's uh, it's kind of up to you as well. We'll take it. We'll see what what the question is here. Hold hey, on. One it's second. impossible to interrupt me. <laughs> we'll get you going again, right? <laughs> Hi, caller. Yeah. It's Rob here with Deborah. How you doing? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Area code nine three one. You're on. What did I do, Deborah? Oh, I always find a way to mess this up. 
Area code 931, you there? You have a question for Deborah? Okay, well, I'll go ahead and leave that line open. You can always call back, too. (laughs) If you get your Verizon signal back. There you go. (laughs) I shouldn't say that. It's probably (laughs) AT&T. Go ahead, I I don't know if it it works on cell phones, but I know at least on landline when I called in, I called star 70 and then the number, and that keeps your phone line from being interrupted while you're trying to call in. Really nice. Thank you for that technical tip. I'll have to write that down. So if you've got call waiting, people can't interrupt you. (laughs) Did you You hear that? Courtesy to your host, make sure that doesn't happen. (laughs) Did you just hear that? (laughs) What? Somebody sneezed. Caller, (laughs) 931 area code, you're on the air. (laughs) Come on, you just just sneezed. Are you there? (laughs) What is going on? All right, well. This is my life. (laughs) (laughs) And if they're sneezing, they must be related, so we'll let them cut this in slack. All right, one last time. Caller, you're on the air. Can you hear me? 931 area code. Go. You're on. Do it. Do it. Four, three, two, one. And we'll move on. Okay, so sorry about that. That's all right. They may have had a bad connection. Could be, could be, you know. You never know, the actual switchboard could have gone wrong. Yeah, true, (laughs) true. Could have been phone gods. Yeah, so, so, um, so anyways, so your story is, is, and I hate, I hate this, it's like, I don't know, on some level, hardship, some people lose it through hardship, other people figure out a way to to move on and and grow stronger and sometimes i think people with really hard backgrounds uh you know and it's not like you would wish that on anyone but it just seems like that they that they, they somehow manage to end up the strongest and that sounds very very much like that's part of your story i got another caller oh god we'll try one more see if they have a question for you deborah here uh area code 614 you're on the line with deborah how you doing Hi, Rob. Hi, Deborah. This is Ruthie speaking. I'd like to know more about Deborah's partner position with Saga Books. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. I have been with Saga Books since 2004 when my first book was published. And through, well, I guess what basically happened was, I hope I'm not telling tales out of school, but my publisher's partner and husband died suddenly. And she found herself without help, without an editor, uh, wow. Just devastated, of course. They, it was a true love story uh, between the two. So I wrote her and I said, "Look, you know, just send me the books. I'll edit them." And she said, "Well, I never have to edit your book, so okay." And I started just helping her out that way. And eventually, she said, "Look, just be my partner. You're doing the work anyway." So <laughs> that is cool. That's kind of how it came about, and I'm proud to be with her because we've got a really decent catalog. It's expanding all of the time. Uh, we we really pick good stories. We don't want just anything out there. We get them into really good shape, really good shape, so that the person can be proud of it. Sure. And so she's made me feel really great that she asked me to do that. So I helped my friend, but then my friend trusted me enough to bring me in. And we weren't friends at the beginning. We uh-huh. became friends as I published book after book after book. Um, and and that, I think that's true of any author. If they've got a good relationship with their publisher, sure. they become friends. Right. Um, sure. So that's how it happened, basically, in a nutshell. Very cool. Good question. Okay, again, great.
great question, and, and it leads to the whole deal about about you you start out and things evolve, things evolve, but they, but they don't evolve on accident. They don't evolve by accident. Let me, geez, I got a book editor here. I should probably speak proper English. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really ever taught me how to do that, but. <laughs> Can, but the point is, good. it evolves. It, it starts out as a simple, as a, a certain type of relationship, and then every, you know, eventually somebody said, "Hey, you're, you're doing, you're doing basically, you're doing the job anyway. Let's let's move this to the next level." And so, I think that's how business works. That's how everything works. If it's good, it evolves. It starts out something yeah. small, baby steps, and ends up, uh, you and, know, and you get a, really uh, feels a, a responsibility for their authors, and Ruth felt a deep responsibility for her authors. And she didn't want to have to, you know, not do the best job she could for any of them. So she extended this offer to me and asked for help. And that's how right. we feel about our authors. We want wow. the absolute best thing, best book put out for them because that's their baby. You Very know, cool. You don't send a baby home from the hospital, you know, stark naked with nothing on it. <laughs> and hasn't, You haven't right. run any tests to make sure it's healthy. You just ah, take him home sure. get him out of here. No, you make sure the baby's healthy, got the little hat on his head because they lose more heat out of his head than we do. Uh, You're killing me. I remember these days. My son's 17. 17 years ago, I remember this day when you 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 were, like, so paranoid, put him in the car, like, oh, my God, does this strap go here? What what am I doing? I'm a horrible father. I've been 10 seconds of father. (laughs) Well, my first thought was I was afraid I wouldn't be able to keep him alive. (laughs) It's like I don't want to keep a baby alive. Oh man, that's yeah, what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh my god, like... I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't even that's bring my we... car in to get oil changes. I'm responsible for this human being. Exactly. <laughs> <That's> wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go through baby seats like, is this the right one? <laughs> <laughs> I know. You covet, can't oh. sleep because are they asleep? Are they still breathing? Oh, I know. Are they god. awake? Oh yeah, I remember sitting by the crib. <laughs> my wife worked nights, so I was, I was sitting by the crib making sure they were breathing. <laughs> oh. And the oh, first back night the that day. you fall asleep, right, because you're exhausted, <laughs> and the yeah. first night they sleep through the night, and you wake up and you realize you got a full eight hours sleep, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> and the kid's lying there with his little legs so up in the air, kicking around, looking at the mobile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget when my son, oh, a long time ago, we just had a caller from uh, area code, two, I think, 215, call back in. I I didn't mean to blow you off. It was on, they only stayed on 10 seconds. Maybe they changed their mind, but that's all right. Call back in. Once again, the number six four six four seven eight four three five three. Thanks for Maybe calling. We still my, have a caller. Maybe uh, they remembered my star 70 tips. <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, it really does so, help to do the star 70 because then if you've got caller ID, I, I mean not caller ID, but call waiting, it. you don't get that sure. deep. You know, really, can, that, that's what you do, everybody, if you're using a mobile phone. I don't um, know if it works on mobile, but I know it works on landline and, and even the phones that you've bundled with your cable company. Oh, it I might see. work on, 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 it's easy enough to tell with a cell phone. Go ahead and try it, and if you get through, sure. it works. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of them star ones, actually, now that I say it, they don't, they don't work the same way on the cell phones. It's, it depends on the carrier and all that other jazz. So, yeah. But, I mean, if you have Verizon on all of them, it probably work on all of them, but... Uh, but it's also better if if you're calling into a talk show if you've got a landline to use the landline yeah, because use the, landline. the sound is crisper and it's not as likely that the call is going to be dropped. And the delay is horrible. Yes. If you call, especially if you call on a, a voice over IP, the the, the delay is bad on those. So yeah. yeah, so it's better to yeah. call on a landline. 
Yeah. Even, even, a, even a landline is a voice over IP, still better than the cell phones. Yeah, if you can. A lot of people don't have landlines anymore, but if you do, True. that's the more and more you know, so. More and more so. Way to do it. So. So the anyway. two other calls have dropped. If you want to, sorry about the interruption there, but uh, okay. people call. It's exciting. You want to get them on the line, and um, that's all good. So let's see. Where were you now? Um, so we were kind of we were kind of at the point where you you had. Uh, I don't know how you want to phrase it, and I don't want to be presumptuous enough to put it in your mouth, but you had survived the hard times, moved on, moved out. Yes. Um, I finally felt uh, safe to move out because uh, my mother had remarried, and my brother and my sister had a grandmother, and uh, they moved in with her. So at 17, I finally felt it was okay to move out because I didn't have to take care of them, and I did. Worked, you know full-time at an insurance company and part-time at Battelle Memorial Institute down in the basement typing in Chinese, not knowing what the heck I was typing and watching (laughs) hairless rats when they got loose. (laughs) 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 No, I'm kidding. I'll do anything to make somebody laugh. (laughs) I did work uh, there, but that didn't really happen. (laughs) 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 No, I mean, I guess, you know, I would take second jobs and all that, and then finally by age 28, I went to college, Mm. went for four years, six years, actually, uh, working full-time and part-time and going to college, and uh, just, you know, lived and survived and kept going until I met my husband in 82, married in 87, and adopted our son in 92, and it's been... A Cinderella story ever since. <laughs> In fact, my car Beautiful. is orange, and I call it Pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> you drive around with with um, <laughs> Clydesdales pulling the orange car around town. There you go. You wave to people with the model wave, the back and forth wave. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went to buy a new car, and I got a Honda Element, and they had an orange one, and that's the only one was on the lot. But for some reason, I just absolutely loved it, and I decided that's the one I wanted to have. And I got it home, and I thought, oh, pumpkin. <laughs> got pumpkin. You just can't go anywhere after midnight, that's all. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I'm usually in bed by 10 anyway. I'm 58 years old. <laughs> all right, well, yeah, you know, me too, so I get that. <laughs> Like going out after nine o'clock, to be honest with you. Although it's crazy you look better after nine o'clock. <laughs> you look better in the light after nine o'clock, though, when you're over thirty-five. <laughs> right. <laughs> it really is the time to be running around, but what can I yeah. say? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, very true. So, so you you told us a little bit about how you you kind of evolved into the the company you're in. Um, so what happened in the in the middle of the story there? As you moved up, well, to, uh, I, um, you went to work, and then what happened after that? Well, you adopted our son, and yeah. uh, we. Now, how old is your son now? Nineteen. That's and great. so you adopted. Beautiful. Yes, use my youth in, injection because I was thirty nine and a half when he <laughs> came home. Oh God. And, so a lot of time, though, was downtime, per se, as far as writing, because Chris was born with cleft lip and palate. So wow. for the first the first 
four years are the most intense because that's when most of the surgeries are done. Right. But what this dear baby did was he became my muse. I'll probably start crying because I'm also very Irish. But anyway. That's all right. That's all right. I took took classes at Oprah University, so I'm trying to get you to cry. Okay, there you go. (laughs) Do I have to look up if I start crying? Okay. Um, uh, So one day, you know, I I was out running errands anyway, and I was near his preschool, so I just went ahead and pulled up to the preschool parking lot. It was a half an hour early. And I'm one of those people that, you know, we were talking about ADHD earlier. I can't sit still. Sure. I'm not ADHD, but oh. my brain just has to oh. be occupied yeah. or I go nuts. Yeah, I'm pretty and close. I, I think I'm self, self-diagnosed. self Sorry about that. There you thought. go. Well, some we know ourselves better than anybody else. Right. But, uh, or sometimes. But anyway, <laughs> right. <laughs> there are some exceptions to that. But uh, I'm sitting there, and I always carried a notebook with me, so I thought, well, what the heck, I've been wanting to write this story anyway. So I sat there, and within about 20 minutes, I wrote a very special child, which is a children's book about adoption. And the reason I wanted it was because I was trying to find him children's books about a child that was adoption adopted because I wanted him to know from the very beginning that he's adopted. I have a cousin who was not told, and he found oh, out on his own when he was 14, and it was hard, never yeah. right between himself and his parents after that. He said, our yeah. lives together are based on a lie. Uh, a lie right. I can't trust you. Right. And it was never mended, never mended. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was patched. There was a Band-Aid on it, but the yeah, scar was there. Never the same, though. Never the same. And besides that, I just believe in truth. I mean, when one of the things a lot of, of children like me who were raised in abusive relationships, especially where there was alcohol involved, oh, sure. we're kind of like, I'll tell anybody. Everybody right. on this planet is the, pers- the stranger sure. on the bus. You want to know sure. what about me? Because you can't blackmail us because we'll <laughs> tell everybody else before you do. So. Right. So sure. I just thought, you know, I want him to know. And, and it makes sense. It's therapeutic to give to get in a sense you're you by being honest and open about it. I mean, back in the day when everything was a dark secret, it, it could happen because it was such a dark secret. And so not that it can't happen now, but by oh, God, we got DNA. it's better to have public knowledge and DNA. Thank God for that. Holy cow. Exactly. How many people have been saved from innocent people saved and guilty people you know, put, put where exactly. they belong because of, but, but of the kids DNA. Find Thank out. God let's, for it. Let's right. say he has something you don't even know he's got because he's not in your family tree, exactly. you know, blood-wise. And then right. there's all this. Anyway, it can be yeah. found out easily. Yep. And there's no reason yep. to hide it because it's actually a no. glorious and wonderful thing. So, And I wanted him, you know, when I was trying to teach him left and right, I said, Mama kissed the left ear, Mama kissed the right ear, Mama kissed the left eye, Mama kissed the right eye. <laughs> And I would say, Mom, and kiss the clap. So that's, we're going to make that totally normal. So everything had to be, you know, I got two arms, two legs, two hands, two feet. I got a clap. Right. I'm adopted. I'm a boy. I have brown hair. You know, it's all normal, natural. Oh, right. So the wow, book that, I wrote. That's very clever, the way you handle that. That's very clever. It's all part of who you are. You just got to be honest. So I wrote a book about adoption for a child that described it in a very spiritual way. But I made sure that... The Godhead entity was always described as some light. In other words, I wanted someone who is Jewish, Buddhist, right. Catholic, right. whatever, to be able to read sure. this and relate to it. 
and I also brought in the birth mother. So, and, and it's called a very special child, and that's the way the book ends when it finally says, "And who was this very special child?" And then there's a big space left for you to put your child's picture, and it says, "It was you." Hmm. So that was my first book, inspired by him. Uh, I was so happy. I sent it off to Ruth, and it was accepted in two hours. She said, "I love wow. this book. I love oh, it so much. Wow. I want to do the illustrations." Amazing. Okay. Wow. I'm not going to say no. No. So, <laughs> I'll take that all day long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then um, I did a book with my cousin called Jesus Gandhi, Oma Mae Adams, which is a murder mystery. I'm uh, mm. very proud of it. It's big, though. It's a very big book, but I really love it. And it's about this uh, televangelist. She's African-American. And in the very first chapter, she's gunned down in front of the radio station where she tapes her televangelical, televangelical wow. show. Easy to say. Say that three times. Yeah, say that and three times. <laughs> so, and the book is divided into three books. The first book is the murder and getting to know all of the characters. The Deborah, second book, Deborah, let me interrupt you real, yes. real quick. We're going offline live stream. We'll still be taping. Everybody come back, listen to the rest of this conversation later via iTunes, download, whatever whatever you want to do. Um, and uh, come to the to the Black Talk radio page and look up Deborah, and you can see all her information. And boom, we're out. Okay, so so we're off live stream, but now we're still taping, uh, Deborah. Okay. So, sorry to interrupt you like that. I told you I could talk. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> I love it. Are you sure you can talk for 15 minutes? Oh, honey, please. <laughs> In my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing with a friend. I said he asked me if I could talk. I said the problem would be getting on a radio show and not talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you good. My chair People wiggling. loved it. <laughs> No, but right, um, so. anyway, so, and the second book starts with uh, her parents meeting, her birth, her life, and then uh-huh. the third book is the solving of the murder. Really? And then I wrote my memoir, Son of My Soul, The Adoption of Christopher. No, it's not a mommy dearest. Uh, I do go into the child abuse. It's more like a self-help uh-huh. book on okay. how it's you're abused, what you can do, how you can actually use that as a tool Mm -hmm. to straighten out things. And I do speak about my parents with respect. Um, Uh Sometimes I didn't really think they deserved it, but in the end they were Uh my parents. Um, And there were reasons why they were the way they were. So, Without, you know, was, was was the... was the abuse from a, a relative, uh, uh, uncle type deal? No, it was my That's stepfather and my mother. Oh, st- oh, and and oh, okay, God, all right. <laughs> so in other words, we're living in this house. My stepfather's an alcoholic. Mm. My mother was. Uh, we now know obsessive compulsive. We didn't know it at the time, but okay. she had had her own issues uh, sure. where it was more important to her to go out and find men and date and, wow. you know, right. commit infidelity and stay home wow. and take care of her children. So sure. we're in this house with no heat, no light, no oh food. It's winter, no hot water. I'm 11. i got an 8-year-old brother and a 4-year-old sister. And, of course, you know, the oldest child, I don't claim any, you know, special thing because of this because without question, most nine times out of ten, the eldest child takes over. Yeah, and says, sure. i got to yeah. do this. I mean, that's hardwired into it, so I right. take no credit sure. for it. But um, 
And then my stepfather would come home roaring drunk and try to get with me, yeah. but he, he yeah. thought I was my mother. Uh, when God made me, he took a stamp, and he stamped my mother's face, and he stamped mine. Oh, God have mercy. So, but Like in a really popular yeah. movie, Multiplicity, when you make a cop- copy of yeah. a copy, it doesn't quite come out right. Yeah. I didn't get her dimples yeah. and all this, but I did look like her. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. So, and, and she looked like Betty White. I mean, I really? watch Betty White now because I think now I can see what my mother would have looked like had she lived this 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 long. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, she even moves like her. Same hair, same head, same hairline, really? same face, same dimples, same eyes, huh. brow, wow. everything. Huh. So um, that was the abuse. So that was chronic neglect. Um, mm-hmm. My cousins talk about when we would all come to the farm for reunions. They noticed that I was the only child that parents just ignored, didn't pay attention to, didn't talk to. Jeez, paid attention to my brother and my sister, but not me. I was the outlander. I was from the other marriage. Amazing. amazing. So, I mean, you know. And, and, and it's amazing how many people, like I'm sure as you look back on it, it's amazing how many people will will participate. In, in the. It's like you almost look at it like, you know, I, I know you as well as, as me. I, 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 I try... I get heartbroken. I have to listen to my daughter's 11 going on 12. And I hear these stories, and then I look at my daughter, and I'm like, how how the hell could somebody, anybody, mother, father, cousin, anybody allow something to to come between them? And and it's just, it breaks my heart. It really, truly breaks my heart. And when I, like I I said, I look at my daughter, and I'm like, I get I get freaked out. I, I want to cry when I feel like but there's my daughter has a friend who's turned against her or something stupid like that, yeah. let alone just, yeah. and I know you, you've been through this in your mind a thousand times, but it, it's just it's beyond the, the fray how this stuff happens. And I hear it more and more, and the more people come out, you know, and talk about it, not that you come out, I come out, I come out. I mean, you know what I'm saying. But sure. <laughs> I'm saying that the more people the more people talk about it, the more I sit here and say, "Really?" Like, like I'm thinking now. Think back to when I was a, when I was a kid, and I'm like, "Wow, I think maybe this one that might have been happening to, and maybe that one, and maybe this, and maybe that." And I'm like, "It's horrific when you go back through your childhood and think maybe this was happening to half of the people who who you associated with." Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just incredible. And, and I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, a I child just, yeah. is the greatest gift you can ever be given. Oh, it's a beautiful gift from and God. It is. You don't have to give birth for that child. In fact, I had one person no, come once and say, "So, have you ever wanted a child of your own?" <laughs> he is my own, honey. If you don't believe me, mess with him. <laughs> <laughs> mess with him, girlfriend. You <laughs> You come out, you come out of the woods like the mama bear. You about to oh, yeah. come the head off for messing with your baby. <laughs> oh, mess with my child, <laughs> and he right. is my child. I have crawled into cribs at Children's Hospital and held him in my arms because he fights oh. fevers. And um, he yeah. is my friend. He's my sweetheart. He's my baby great. doll. I adore him. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> like me, he's a little weird, but we we live with that. <laughs> but then I raised That's him, all so good. he had yeah. no choice. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, just you know, when you and I had a friend say to me too. I'll, I'll never forget this. 
I, I, she wound up with, um, I don't remember if it was hyper or hypothyroid, but anyway, she uh-huh. was afraid that she was uh, infertile because of it. And I said, look, honey, there's always adoption. That's just a great way to go. She goes, I'm afraid that I won't love a child that I didn't oh. carry like I'd love a child if I carried it. And I went, well, then I feel really, really bad for your husband. And she said, what? I said, he didn't carry the kid. He must not love it. Right. How do I went, manage to love my I baby? I never thought of that. See, you changed the whole life right there with one one phrase, one sentence. Yeah, I mean, he wants yeah. to carry a kid. In fact, I forget no. that I didn't carry him. I really, I mean, I'll be thinking, oh, he must yeah. have gotten that from my dad. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. <laughs> you know, you Maybe can tell not. the people, too. You can tell people who, if if you... You can look at people and know like they would not make a good parent because cause if you're sitting there with the cutest little freaking shit on the planet, little boy, girl, whatever it is, you got this cute little thing and and people don't. Whenever I see other kids, kids, I get a smile on my face. It's just a, it's oh, gosh, a human yes. nature thing. And I'm like, I could adopt that kid right now. I could take that kid. You know, it's, like yeah, it's the only commercials I watch. If there's a baby, I watch the commercial. Oh. Exactly, and, and that's the kind of person that made. doesn't matter who's where that baby came from. We could easily, my wife and I could easily, easily adopt a baby, and and it would be as though you you had the baby. There's no, Absolutely. there's no physical. The whole thing about the having the baby, that like you said, I I I somehow didn't spring from my loins my babies, <laughs> but I but I love them dearly, and and I just love kids. But you can tell people who don't. Too. Did you ever notice that? If you're out in town or you're at a restaurant, or you kind of expect because you so they just had them because they felt they should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they don't look at them like you look at yours, and and they even when yours are there, kind of in their way. Or whenever your kids are like getting in someone else's way, you can tell the ones who don't really like kids because they just kind of scowl. Like I'm like, oh my god, get over yourself. It's a kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and another thing to be I a little bit too. annoying. <laughs> If their kid is doing something wrong, they don't correct them. They just ignore them. Right. It, and know, that's it. Been, exactly. Chris they said to me even, the other day, why yeah. are you so hard on me sometimes? And I said, because yeah. I love you. Yep. If I didn't I want love you, you to... I said, it takes effort. Exactly. And I said, I can't tell you how many times I have had to say things to you that later on I, I just beat myself up because I had to say it, and it hurt, yep. and I it's go hard. back and I agonize over it. But I did it because I love you. So I'm willing to take the bruises on my heart. Sure, and and, and I do it because I want you to reach your fullest potential. And Absolutely. if I don't help you do that, then I'm a I'm negligent. Absolutely, especially you know you got a child born with a craniofacial anomaly. Now, granted, today they do pretty Our, decent repairs, but sure. it's there. I mean, yeah, can, you can. So he's got a distinctive look, and he's probably got little jerks that pick on him about it or whatever. Oh God, gotcha. had. Or whatever, you know, and that's the thing too. Here's the thing: it doesn't matter if you have. It's like you can look at that and say, you know what, a slight anomaly or any kind of anomaly it doesn't matter. Guess what? If you're in the wrong place and you got the wrong people around you and the wrong kids around you, they're gonna find something. It doesn't matter if you that's think you're you look for everything is per- somebody. There's a lot of people, kids, and, and not for nothing. I I love my my daughter but but the girls can be particularly ruthless when it comes to any type of god forbid anomaly uh, let alone just just no anomaly well, i don't the even girls. think it needs to be an anomaly because i've seen kids that no, just happen to be tall and they're picked on because they're tall i think yep. i truly think 
that the bullies pick on the chi- the children that they are actually jealous of for some reason. Right. True. Very true. And then I've yeah. told my son that if they yeah. if they weren't jealous, they wouldn't even bother with you. Right. So right. just yeah. look at them and feel sorry for them and wonder and what that, is wrong yep. in their feel life. Sorry for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's Stay wrong in their life because they feel they have wrong to with do them. them. Exactly, and, and they're not and, normal. You know, feel kids that pick them. on other kids are not normal kids. <laughs> There's right. not something wrong with them. They just oh. feel the necessity, like you said, out of some jealous, some petty jealousness or something, and um, and that that's just the kind of person they are, and, and it's sad. And I, like you say, I I tell my kids feel sad for them because exactly. people don't like them, and people will never like them as long as they decide to pick on other people. Because most people are good people, and they look at that like my kids and say. Why are you pick? Why are you picking on this kid? That's not right. My son almost got in a fight one time because of one of the kids up at our school. He was uh, one of the mainstream ones type of deal, and uh, my son almost got in a fight. Protect, you know, saying don't mm-hmm. don't say it. Leave the kid alone. He's a good he's a good guy. Leave him alone. He's just trying to do his best here. And uh, it's heartbreaking to hear these stories. It's absolutely heartbreaking, and it doesn't matter, like you say, if it's an anomaly or if there's nothing at all. It's it's just as wrong either way. And but when they find something weak to pick on, they, they, like you say, you you just listen. Just say, look, say a prayer for them because they're not right. They're the ones that are not normal. They're not the right ones. Mm-hmm. They need no, our. And what's help going on prayer. in their home too? That's making them feel exactly. that they have to do this. This making Chris them feel this petty. One, Chris had this one bully that was really really bad. I mean, this guy actually. Uh, physically harmed Chris. He oh, he no. he hit him with a nylon lunch bag and no. and and all, came with the doctor said he couldn't even measure how close it came to Chris's cornea. The parents oh never God. offered to pay, never apologized, nothing. No. Well we that's later found that's out who they are. Yeah. Well we later found out this kid was verbally and physically abused at home. And was also adopted, which made yeah, I thought it was weird. I thought wouldn't you have some kind of connection with Chris because he's adopted? Well it we think this is just conjecture. We think that he was jealous of Christopher because I was always at the school. It was obvious that Christopher and I were affectionate toward each other because we would talk together and laugh together and hug each other, right. and I would show up, blah, blah, blah. So we're thinking yeah. that there was possibly jealousy there because sure. Chris was getting Absolutely. what this kid wasn't getting. So Absolutely. you have to feel sorry for them. I mean, if I yeah, got to the point where I had to walk over to him and say, listen, Honey, if you ever want to talk, you can talk. But listen, stay away from my boy unless you can be nice. Yeah. Just stay away right. from it. You can't be nice, just stay away. Because I'm watching. <laughs> but if you want to talk, you're more than welcome. And we've had him in our home. So, right. You know, wow. it, he is a child. But uh, this is yeah, way back. It, and that's like the hard part. Is like how, far do you, you know, how far can you go at 11? It's like, well, guess what? I can go pretty far. I'm pretty good at, like, really scaring someone without really trying to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but you, you also know, have to have the, that compassion the old, for them. They're only 10, 11 years old. I know. I really know. Don't That's know. the hard part. Yeah. So you got to. And it's not, it's not their fault. Try to help it's their them. parents' fault. Usually their parents are, are you know. If you did like it you now said, at 19, I'd be up in his face going, back off, Jacko. <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> He's oh yeah. He's now. <laughs> yeah, Right. It would but. be something more serious now because they're, they're they're adults, and at 19 years old, as an adult, I could punch them in the face and make them. There you go. <laughs> but you wouldn't. Say, but you feel I like it. 
but it'd be fun to think about. <laughs> yeah, you could you're like leave my kid guys. alone, or I'm gonna punch you in the face. You could threaten him though too. See, the thing is, once they're adults, you can still kind of get away with stuff. You can threaten them a little bit. You know, disguise veiled threats. In other words, you don't have to say I'm gonna punch you in the face. Yeah. You just have to say, like you did, what you didn't even realize you just threatened the kid when what you said was, that, I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. From a mother's perspective, when you tell when you tell me, like, look, uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna hurt you, <laughs> but I'm watching. Yeah. That's probably how you said like it. Really I don't miserable. think you just said. I don't think you just said, oh, I'm watching. I think you said it like this, I'm watching. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's basically how it came out. That's a big difference. Of course, you have to be careful, too, because at a certain age, then your kid doesn't want you walking up, and he doesn't want his mother (laughs) taking up for him, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's... Why does life have to be so damn complicated? I just want to help the kid, and then they're looking at you like, well, did you have to... I didn't threaten anybody. I just said, I'm watching. (laughs) It's really cool. All you got to do is really act like you're just this side of being nuts, and that scares them. You got it. You got it. Every once in a while, you just change the inflection a little bit. Like, I see or you're you. Like, what are your left eyelid? You know. What a, how did I threaten him, Your Honor? I said, I see you. It's like he's not invisible. I said, I see you. Uh-huh. The, the judge doesn't know. He said, I see you. Yeah. <laughs> that satanic voice. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you wish you could sometimes come up with that voice and just, you know, scare the crap out of the bullies? Yeah, I think we should have a program, actually. I think schools should initiate a program, right, where alumni come in, Uh Uh like kids that have already graduated from the high school, but they're willing to come back and volunteer, Mm. and they walk beside the kids who are being bullied Mm -hmm. and handle... The bullies. I don't mean physically. Cleverly, right. This kid is protected. You mess with him, you (laughs) mess with me. And I think it would be nice to really bring in the football players. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like you say, it's like we're saying, you don't have to say, look, I'll kick your ass if you talk. No, exactly. You just just have to be the imposing presence. (laughs) Yeah, this is my buddy, and don't mess with him. I think it would be great for the graduates. Oh, man, to I'm telling you, that's a great idea. Bring kids back. They don't have to say, matter of fact, you tell them, don't say this is the only thing you're allowed to say, okay, just to avoid any liability or legal stuff. The only thing you're allowed to say is, this is one of my best friends in the world right here, and that's all you say. Yeah. Well, because and all you, the other ones oh, my God, how do you get you such can a big do, friend? Well, I mean, in some cases, Bullying a bully works, but it usually doesn't, because usually the bully has got some issues of their own, which is why they're bullying, and they are usually and, abused and, at home. Right, and and right, and, right, and, and and they're willing to. But maybe you get this advocate get going through maybe a two or three or four week process or training process with a, sure. a really good psychologist, sure. yeah. right? Where they can. Con, you know, they're walking with the kid, they have contact with the bully, they work with the bully, because really you don't need to work with a kid that's being bullied because he's not doing anything no. wrong. You work with the bully and work through with the bully right. and turn him then into an advocate. Right. Wow. Put the tables on him. <laughs> that's a, 
Wow, that's yeah. that's powerful. That that could work. That could work. That could be something that could work because you, like you're saying, your your goal really. I mean, you go in with the primary goal of of protecting the one being bullied, but the ultimate goal is to turn the bully into one of your advocates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Which, and thereby, they're healing themselves. Sure. Right. Yeah, you're helping them through something that 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 believe it or not, like you say, they're going through something. You know they are. They're they're not. Sure. Their parents aren't normal. This is why. You know what I'm really tired of in this society. And I'm and I wrote a letter a week ago. By the way, um, I've learned how to write emails after ten a decade of writing emails. I don't uh-huh. know if you ever had this problem, but emails can be very like dangerous. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're feeling something, you're in a yeah, mood, you're cool. in a particular state of mind, and you yeah. write that email, and you click send, and you go, oh, oh shoot, <laughs> on a gun, I gotta get that back. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's you like can't. so, you know, it's it, so I'm like super super careful with emails, but but at the same time, I write emails like like some people write a book. I edit them. I re- re-edit them. Well, I was going to say, too much time. and this is a good tip for anybody too. If anybody's going to listen to this for this long, because you know I just yeah. have some fun. Um, yeah. I I write my emails like that in Word. Yeah. So I do edit them, make sure because if you're going to yeah. write someone and complain with them, you don't want to oh, have the yeah. word gesture yeah. in there when you meant gesture. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. right. But yeah. Then you yeah, save it God, and you gesture. walk away. Yeah. And you come back after you've cooled down. And then you get it down to your pertinent points and you take out all the heat. And then you make a good one, right. Well, that's what happened with me. So so I got got an email from a a coach of a particular team in a particular town. (laughs) Name and town uh, deleted or whatever, but... um, So, so, so you get the message. What you get is you get these things, these generic friggin' letters. And it's like nobody has the, the, the uh, gumption to point to a kid who's a problem and say, this is kid's a problem. I need to talk to your parents. They don't, they don't have that fortitude anymore. So what happens is all the parents of all the good kids get the same letter. We had a problem. Uh, kids were being too uh, obstructive and, and obtrusive and the blah, 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 blah. They write this big friggin' letter that looks like they sent it to you guys to have it edited and paid, you know, not $400 because that wouldn't get it done. So <laughs> whatever they paid, they paid someone to edit this thing, and it's all these big words and all these things. Clearly somebody, we spent money to send them to college because they got all their grammar right and everything else, which is fine. I'm not opposed to that, but you know what I'm saying. The letter looks like they sent it to an editor, but at the same time there's no kids mentioned, and everybody gets the letter. How is that helping yeah. the situation? So I finally I wrote an email back, and this is when I edited three times because it's a girl, it's a you know a girl I have to see regularly as a coach type of a deal with the with a thing. <laughs> I'm not even going to mention the sport, but so anyway, you know, so I write the letter back and I say, please, 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 do me a favor, and only contact me when I have a problem or you have a problem with my child. Because I'm tired of these generic letters. I get the letters. It's never my kid. It really isn't. And I'm not just, you know, oh, not my kid. I'm not like that. I know sometimes, 
my kids have uh, issues or whatever, but very infrequently, and it's almost always some other kid that's being loud in class, that's doing this, that's doing that. And we all get the damn letter. It's like, guys, simple management freaking protocol says that you identify the problem, you deal with the problem, you go to the problem kid's parents, but in this type of society we're in, they can't even do that anymore. So I get the letter. I'm like, I ask my daughter, who's the problem? I don't even ask her, was it you? I say, who's the problem? She tells me. Now, I almost, I'm almost tempted to call the parents of the problem and say, look, I got a letter that basically said somebody's causing problems. Yeah. I, know, I know it's not. It's clearly your kid. Deal with it. <laughs> the, well, and not only the that, if it's, if it's, and the if managers it's not, don't deal with it anymore. And if it's not a huge problem, too, they shouldn't be broadcasting that everywhere. I mean, that's right. where these kids get embarrassed and get, and it could have been just a, right. you know, a slip up. Yeah, I, mean, we've I don't all need to know. Stupid. I don't need to know whose kid it is. But when they general broadcast it, I go to my kid. I find out who the problem kid is. If they had just dealt with the kid and the parents of the kid privately, I would have not known there was a problem. So, so this backfire. not only that. Now, by doing that too, they have challenged that kid now to be. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A 58 year old brain. In other words, they're going to they're going to continue <laughs> the behavior or be worse now because they've been challenged. They've been embarrassed in well, public. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So, so rather like, than yeah, just right. the kid down like, in private, just, right? It should be a private matter. It's not good management strategy. Now, here's the thing. I'm not talking about just schools and kids and coaches. I'm talking about I know people whose work environment. My wife. Again, I won't mention any workplaces or names, but she gets letters all the time, generic letters. We had a problem with this, so-and-so, do your work, work harder, blah, blah, blah. My work, my wife does four people's jobs. She's an RN at a, at a medical place. And she gets this letter, and, and because she cares, the, the people who care get these letters and go, oh, my God, is it me? Can I do better? Your self-doubt, blah, blah, It's not that person. It's the people who get the letter and say, who gives a crap, and they delete it, and they never got dealt with. I mean, it's a, it's a management issue. It's management, it's teachers, it's coaches, it's pervasive through society right now to not deal with the problem. It's like you can't solve the problem without dealing directly with the problem and do it in private. Nobody needed to know there was an issue, especially the people who did their job today, but instead they all get the letter. It's a generic letter. It's called lazy management, I call it. Mm-hmm. And send everybody the letter and say, maybe hopefully somebody who knows who did it will mention it to them. Bullshit. They're not going to do that. Excuse my French there, but they're not going to do that. It's bull. Yeah. Well, and and this so anyway, goes back to the kids, too, that these are the people that are raising the kids today. That That's the problem. The problem and, and, is and the parents I, who I really don't care just delete the message, and they don't a care. Lot of, well, a lot of kids uh, today are growing up like I did. I, I grew up yeah. feeling that... I was completely worthless, useless. I had nothing to contribute yeah, to anything. I was not loved anywhere in any way. And when you don't feel that your mother loves you... No, that's the worst that, thing. I mean, you can deal with... It's hard to believe that your father doesn't love you. That's hard, too. But we are sure. we are hardwired. Yeah, that mom always... We want always... our mother's love and protection. That is hardwired into us. It's a It's a survival thing. Yeah. So when you don't have that, that just messes yeah. up the rest of your life. That is. That's hard. Yeah. I mean, to this day, when I meet someone, I don't expect them to like me. And I have to go above that and work above that and say, Deborah, this is a little girl who yeah. wanted mommy to love her. 
Shut up. Enjoy the person. You know, breaks and I'm usually wrong. Most people like me. not everybody, but most people that I meet likes me. Right. Um, until I talk right. too much. But your self doubt is, is <laughs> takes over a little bit. Why say shut up? <laughs> no, but, <laughs> you know, you damage a child uh-huh. for life, and you know your your time as par- as a parent is so within the context of your entire life. It's such a yep. brief period of time. Just do yep. it right. Yeah, I know. God, is do it that it right? Hard? It's a small part of your life. You know, and if you're not willing to give up your spike heels and your, <laughs> and I don't mean this as not having a career, but I mean as your image. No. As right. your image. And you're wanting out to go out and party all the time yep. and whatever, then don't have a kid. Don't, don't have kids. Enjoy yeah. your nieces and nephews. Right. Exactly. If you don't have any siblings, then enjoy the children of your friends. Yep. The people Very really simple. wanted children, you know? Yep. Right. And should have so, It just, oh. Yeah. It just drives me crazy. It drives me absolutely nuts. So, anyway, we never did get the Cedar Woman, did we? <laughs> no. Oh, well. All my right. fault too. We tried. No, my fault. I'm the one that got off on the tangent. Uh uh-uh. uh. No 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 I mean, no no. Listen, this having is having a lot of look, fun. I, I love I love this block talk radio format because you can just you record it for a certain period and then you and then if it's dying down you just let it go. If not you you keep going and that's the beauty of this format. So and it and it all gets broken up too, so nobody will listen to the full thing. But but what I do is I break it up into clips. I publish it out via different clips and stuff like that. But uh, I do actually have to. Uh, have to get going. I appreciate you coming on, Deborah. This is a fantastic show. I'd like to maybe sometime you could come in and uh, guest host with me. I'd like to have guest hosts on once in a while, talk to some um, some of the other guests I've had on in the past. And if you have any, uh, go ahead and um, give any kind of uh, shout out to your website address, your company's address, whatever you want to give there right now. Go ahead. Sure. Well, we've got Saga Books, which is www, of course, Saga, S-A-G-A, books.net. And there's DebraShivelyWelch.net, which is D-E-B-R-A, S as in Sam, H-I-V as in Veronica, E-L-E-Y, Welch, like the grape jelly, W-E-L-C-H, <laughs> dot net. And uh, go in there and look around. And if you think you've got a good book and you want to have it published, get a hold of us. We'll look there at you it. Go. We'll be honored, Very good. but we'll look at it. That's what you need. You need honesty in that. So appreciate that. Thanks for coming on. I'll post all your stuff to the website as well, your links and everything else. And thanks again, Deborah. Hopefully I'll have you on again soon. I appreciate you coming on. Oh, I'd love to be on again. I just enjoyed this so much. Awesome. I appreciate that. I want, I want, Very I nice want to, to get meet my you. authors on here, too. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everybody. Sure. Send them all. Sure. Send them all in. Send them Absolutely. all in. Absolutely. appreciate your time. I loved it. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Everybody else, thanks for coming in. We'll see you again next Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye.